Hey, yo, welcome to Rave Dad's Diary. Today, I'm interviewing Liz Thompson. Liz is an interdisciplinary artist and the co founder and creative director of Base Coast Festival and the Guild Arts Collective. Her expertise in designing and producing immersive audiovisual environments and large scale installation art for music festivals has taken her all over the place. Stay tuned for our conversation. I'll also be sharing a few more of my favorite tracks of 2021. I will be taking the next two weeks off to relax and connect with family, but I'll be back in the new year with new episodes of Rave Dad's Diary. To start off the show today, here's some music from Ross from Friends. This is Triple X Olympiad.
FM CJSW. Good afternoon. You are listening to Rave Dad's Diary. My name is Paul Brooks. We just pardon me. We just heard music from Ross from Friends from the album Tread, which came out earlier this year. The track was XXX Olympiad. And now here is some new music from Bonobo. Bonobo has a new album called Fragments, which is out next month on Ninja Tune.
90.9 FM, CJSW. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary. We just heard the band Tush with the track Chrysalis. My name is Paul Brooks, and my guest today is the interdisciplinary artist and co-founder and creative director of Base Coast Festival and the Guild Arts Collective, Liz Thompson. Hi, Liz. Welcome to Rave Dad's Diary. Hi, Paul, from a fellow rave mom. Yes. Really nice to be here. (laughs) You're a rave mom, like, you have so much rave mom cred. (laughs) I have seen, well, I mean, okay, your your son, Jet, was born right when you started doing Base Coast Festival. Is that right? Yeah, I was kind of doing the math on it, and the first Base Coast was in... 2009 and he was born halfway through 2006 so he was and you know the ball was rolling for fest for the festival a year or so before our first one so yeah he was around two when we started one or two (laughs) which looking back seems totally insane now he's 15 now yeah that's crazy you've you've taken your your son to to burning man as well many times Yes. So, Rave Mom cred through the roof. <laughs> you need to start Rave Mom's diary and uh, one-up me. 
I, I'm excited to talk to you about festival art. I think that art at music festivals is something that we take for granted. Typically, we pay a lot of attention to the musical lineup, but we just expect all of the cool art and lights and stuff to just be there and be part of the experience. So let's shine some light on on festival art. I'm wondering if, uh, because this is the radio, can you use some theater of the mind and describe a piece of installation art to the audience? All right. Well, I can kind of describe our formula. So the Guild provides a lot of the art for Base Coast. And the Guild was co-founded by Andor Tari and I. And the equation that we've often used is finding objects that other people have thrown into the garbage or that you may find laying around or something that's being disposed of or something that you can repeat many times and finding a, a way to showcase it in a way that's out of the ordinary. So, for example, uh, I think one of our most um, noticeable pieces of art might be Sleigh Bay, Sleigh Bay at Base Coast, which basically is just a common building material, which is two by fours and two by eights. But instead of using them for a structural piece, which is, you know, like regular kind of cube dimensions, we display them in fans. So we take one object where we repeat it over and over and over again and use it in a way that's out of place. And by doing that, are able to create very large-scale, three-dimensional art um, out of objects that are commonly going to be thrown out or something that we can upcycle. And then we add on the element of illumination, projection mapping, lighting, um, and then install it either in a stage setting or just in a festival ground as a piece of art that people might want to experience getting a photo taken by or just spend time by it. So despite all of the disruptions of the past couple of years and the pandemic, you've still managed to contribute to some festivals. Uh, even this year, I think you worked on a couple. Uh, it, are you? Can you tell me about uh, some of, or, or maybe a, a structure or a piece that you worked on this year? Sure, yeah. I mean, we've been fortunate because the festivals in the States have been able to carry on through the pandemic. And so the Guild has traveled. We were in Ohio in September for Lost Lands, which is Excision's festival. And it is a spectacle. And we are very lucky to contribute to it. Basically, he's got 101 life-size animatronic dinosaurs through the site and it's our job to make art around them so we build nests and we build waterfalls and we build you know we have a rave camp that's being destroyed by dinosaurs and <laughs> he kind of he gives us a bit of we have a volcano we just things that you might find around dinosaurs and um so we did that in september and then i think it was our fourth year there so that's kind of cool because the installations evolve over time and become bigger and grander. And then we're also fortunate to be in Fort Lauderdale in Florida this year. Um, I think our sixth time at Tortuga, which is a country music festival on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. And that's where our pirate ship, which originated in Merritt, has now landed on the beaches of Florida. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I mean, this this let's talk about the pirate ship for a minute. Can the you, mutiny. You could, the, the mutiny uh, from 2014, I believe. Uh, uh, you built a pirate ship on the main stage. 
for the theme of Base Coast Festival, which was mutiny that year. And you built this uh, gigantic pirate ship. Like, can you describe it for anybody that's never seen it? Well, okay, so it's a pirate ship that's off kilter, and we kind of placed it in the stage at main stage at Base Coast, which if you haven't seen it, is this kind of very typical cube box stage. And we positioned it so it looked like it was crashing through the stage. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got everything a pirate ship would have. It's got a figurehead. It's got masts. It's got giant sails. It's got beautiful staircases it's got it's got everything and and all and the details yeah all the details and we built it for base coast which is in merit and it's interesting that it somehow found its way to the shores of florida which is more of a natural environment <laughs> for a pirate ship <laughs> that's uh that's a good story i mean I, I will talk a little bit more about how some pieces have evolved because i think that's really fascinating but uh, i want to talk a little bit more about your uh, use of upcycled materials and reusing materials uh you know you you, i i remember we've had conversations where you talk about how much you love the dump (laughs) so uh you you touched on it but i mean like i think a good example might be the um the masts from the pirate ship like where did you get those where did you get the wood from the pirate ship it's like every single detail on that ship and i have to really give credit to and otari for a lot of that like he is such a hardcore environmentalist and he was the one that went out and found bridges that had been destroyed and and got the wood and and retreated the wood and repurposed the wood and that's not just as easy as going and pulling up a trailer and and grabbing wood it's there are so many steps involved in upcycling materials. It's often more expensive and time-consuming to upcycle a material than it is to just go buy it new. Mm. Um, but every everything on that ship, even um, Dave Petko, who made the figurehead, which is um, this beautiful kind of Medusa kind of looking thing on the front, she's got these tentacles that wrap around the front of the boat, and they're all made from upcycled pool noodles and bike tires. You can imagine how you would wind and spin those together to make tentacles. And, I mean, every single detail on the ship, half of it came from Valley Village. (laughs) (laughs) The other half came from, you know, dumpsters and backyards and Craigslist and Marketplace. You know, that's where we thrive. We find materials that you wouldn't commonly find and we, we recycle them and up-purpose them and I think that's where the magic comes from. You can't you can't build that. You have to find that. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary on 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Paul Brooks and my guest is interdisciplinary artist Liz Thompson. We are talking about festival art and making art installations. Liz, to me, one of your most iconic installations is extremely simple. Uh, I'm talking about the streamer installation on the main stage at Base Coast Festival. Uh, can you describe what what that looks like and, and what it's made out of? Uh, I think it's made out of flagging tape, right? It is made out of flagging tape. And it's, I believe right now, it evolves every year. But right now, I, I believe it's around, the last one we did was about 40 lines that are 250 feet long. And every three inches, there's a nine foot streamer uh which is just your commonly found parking tape 
um, flagging tape, something you'd see like tied around a tree. Um, and it's a great example of a solution to a problem. So um, the wind howls through the site at Merritt and especially hits the main stage, which is a, a wide open environment. And it was something that, you know, it's irritating being around the wind, especially if you're not really wearing any clothes, which many ravers <laughs> <laughs> aren't wearing that many clothes. And it was something that really irritated people. And, and we kind of by accident figured out that um, when the wind hits these, these streamers, it's amazing. And then you take that concept and you repeat it over and over and over again and you add symmetry into it. Um, and all of a sudden now when, when the wind blows, it catches all the streamers and you can literally see the wind visually represented in the streamers. And the more the wind howls, the more the installation takes flight and the more excitement and electricity it creates um, in the crowd. And I, I just think it's a beautiful example of taking something that was kind of an not a negative, but something that wasn't that comfortable and turning it into a, a positive and, a, and an exciting, beautiful thing. That's really, yeah, that's interesting that you kind of take people's attention uh, away from the uh, feeling the wind on their bodies. And it, it is a visually stunning thing to see when the wind brings the streamers to life. Mm. And and you've ta- so you've taken something as humble as flagging tape, white flagging tape, and you've elevated it to this captivating installation that people love and they like long for this and they request it. People love dancing under it and tripping out on the you know on the movements. There, there's you know you talked about this being a solution to a problem, but I'm wondering is there also you know a lesson in this for artists uh, in being able to take something as simple as flagging tape and, and making an installation out of it? Like, what, what, what is there uh, for, for artists in, in this lesson? Oh, well, I think the primary thing is if you're, if you're installing an outdoor location as an artist, you need to really consider the elements and, and what might be an element that might inhibit you from being successful and, and kind of turning that upside down. And, and looking at it as, how can I use this to my advantage? And outdoor installation is a, it's a really difficult thing to accomplish successfully. It takes usually many tries and a, and a large team and a lot of constructive feedback. Um, but you really need to consider nature if you're going to install outside. Like, is it going to rain torrentially? And is it that I can use that to my advantage? Is, is there wind? Is it cold? Is it too hot? What can I do to work with the situation that I'm installing in? Great advice. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary on 90.9 FM CJSW. And my guest is Liz Thompson. Liz is the co-founder of Base Coast Festival and the Guild Arts Collective. And we're talking about festival art and installation art Liz, we've been talking about some of the larger scale, grander things you've uh, been a part of creating. But I'm also wondering about some of the smaller, more humble uh, innovations uh, in festival uh, decor that you uh, can think of or things that have been a game changer that are relatively small or simple or people might not notice uh, initially. I mean, that's where the real joy of as being an artist is. It's in the details. The, the big stuff's cool, and it gets everyone's attention, but your heart really always lays in, in the details and the people who have the patience to make those dreams happen because, you know, the main thing about being an installation artist is it's never just you, it's a team. Mm. 
Um, and you're always collaborating. There isn't anything that I've done that's great that hasn't been a collaboration with many different people. And I don't know. I mean, there isn't a single detail of Base Coast that I am not extremely proud of and gush over. But I, I think one of the main ones that I really love on site is done with a local Calgary artist, Priya, um, who does, is it Kevin? Kevin Creative, I think her company is called. And I love chandeliers. So at Base Coast, we started getting donated chandeliers and upcycling chandeliers. And it turned into a slightly small obsession for me and Kriya, who I made the manager of it, um, who's now created a business from the concept of these chandeliers. I think we have the collection has grown from like one or two chandeliers to over 80 at Base Coast. And these are just upcycled, repurposed chandeliers that are everywhere. Um, and it's this beautiful detail of if you're just standing outside in nature and there's a gorgeous crystal chandelier plugged in. I mean, it's just the there's a duality there of, of the outdoor nature and this like beautiful kind of Victorian chandelier that just like it just every single time I walk by, you don't need anything else. That environment is set. But it's a lot of work to make that happen. Kriya and her team are it's one of the hardest jobs on site. Shout out Kriya. And Coven Creative, a Calgary-based lighting installation company now, which, uh, I mean, I think the idea for that company was started at at Base Coast and through the festival circuit. Uh, can you talk to that a little bit? Because I think that's a, uh, a part that, you know, people who, again, just attend festivals as, as attendees... Uh, maybe don't uh, understand the ecosystem and the economy kind of running behind the scenes, but uh, these people who work on producing installation art uh, often, you know, they, 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 they can generate other business ideas through, through festivals. Uh, Can you just talk about that for a minute and some of the, maybe some of the success you've seen uh, through, through these uh, art grants and uh, uh, installation art programs that you've been involved with? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a huge thing. Um, if you apply for an art grant at Base Coast and get accepted and you're exhibiting in the forest, you're all of a sudden exhibiting in a public setting where you're getting a lot of exposure. And the media also gives you a lot of exposure. And that's sent around the world. And, and often what we find is artists who are placed next to each other, well, they meet each other. They're there doing, they're there doing setup. They're there doing teardown. They're, they're running their installation. And all of them are like, so often they're like, hey, like, what if we collaborated? What if we did this together? And, and all of a sudden you're collaborating with a team and now you're twice as powerful. And then, then you realize that that collaboration and then that experience doesn't need to just be live and, and end at the festival. Like this can happen year round and oh, Hey, like we both live near each other or we don't because digitally we can collaborate over long distances. That barrier is broken down now. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, like, Let's let's try doing this outside of the festival setting. And so many businesses, so many businesses have been born through collaborations and friendships that have originated not just at Base Coast, but at Shambhala, at Burning Man. Like festivals are, they give birth to so many businesses. And and I really think you've touched on something special that happens because then people can make a living from their dreams and that's what we all want that's what everyone wants amen let's talk a little bit about the base coast festival art grant program because your applications are opening up 
today, right? Woo! Yep, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock Pacific time today they go live. So tell me about the Base Coast Festival Art Grant Program. Well, the Base Coast Festival Art Grant Program is something that if you are an artist, whether you're a professional artist or just a beginning artist, even if you just don't even know that you're an artist, but you maybe have a great idea, you should check it out. Um, It's designed so that you can, instead of paying money for festival tickets, you can keep that money and put it instead into an art piece and showcase it at the festival. Um, It's also set up so that in addition to being able to do that, maybe there's also a financial grant that comes on top of it. And we've given out over $160,000 of art grants um, since 2012. And basically, you just open up the application, go through it. It's a very thorough application. It will take you a while to fill out. and. Put in your idea there, and it's very detailed. How much power do you need? What's your footprint? What's your idea? What's the pictures of the idea? What other art have you completed? And it's a it's a way for people to get involved, and it's a way for people who may have been around installation art and been inspired by it and maybe have an idea of their own to say, hey, I've got this idea. Like, do you think this would showcase well at the festival? And we either say yes or we say no, and... And then we take it from there, and and it's that's been the origin the origins of a lot of like we were talking about these these businesses and projects that have extended past the festival. You you come to Base Coast, you present your art, you get a space to exhibit, you get some feedback, and and then you're and then you're off to the races, and then you go from there. It's a launching pad. One of the things I love the most about the program is I've seen art evolve over many years and i've seen um artists uh skills become refined and uh people you know completely uh get on get on these new paths but this this uh give me an example of a piece of art uh or an art installation that's evolved over time or that has traveled beyond base coast festival and kind of become its own its own thing Well, I mean, there's so many. There's so many shout-outs I want to give to the artists who have been involved in the Base Coast um, art grant program who've who've come and displayed and over the years, you know, improved their art and brought it. I think an artist that I really wanted to highlight in this is she's, her name's Olivia um, Mary Guns, and she brought an installation called Ghost Stories, and her art's evolved over time. But what I really loved about her last piece was how the the deeper meaning behind it. Because sometimes your first installation, you're just trying to present, and then over time you realize that not only do you need to present an idea, but or an art piece, but there needs to be an idea. Like what what is the deeper meaning of this piece? What what's the thought provoking element? What's the conversation people are going to have? And she took uh, books that people were throwing away. And it just broke her heart that people were throwing away these books that were never to be read again. And she took the pages from them and she made them into a new paper. And then she took that new paper and she put it into this lighting installation that illuminated in the forest in rings. So that when the light was cast on the rings onto the ground where people sat or stood underneath the art, it looked like tree rings. So she was giving the paper from the books back to the trees. And the title of her installation was called Ghost Stories. And I thought it was just a beautiful way to see an artist evolve from just installing something that looked good into installing a piece of art. 
and a piece of art should inspire conversation and it should have a deeper meaning and and I think that's a beautiful story of evolution of just that like becoming an a real artist that just gave me art shivers <laughs> that story I love that that's incredible Liz if anybody wants to get involved with the Base Coast Festival Art Grant Program, applications are live. You said it at 3 p.m. Pacific today, so 4 p.m. Mountain. Where can people get more information? Basecoast.ca. And um, I highly recommend with the art grants, um, you know, you, you go through the application. Really take your time with the application. It brings up a lot of the questions are designed to bring your attention to things you may not have thought of before, like... We don't have power on site during setup. How are you gonna how are you gonna install it? Do you have a generator? Are your tools battery powered? How much power do you require during the festival? What's the what have you thought for your high wind action plan? If there's high winds, like what are you gonna do? If there's rain, what are you gonna do? And and you you'll really find by everybody should if you've got an idea, like I really just I want everybody to apply with their idea. Don't think that you can't do it. Don't think because you haven't done something before you won't get accepted. Just go in there. Fill out an application. Give it your best shot. It's on basecoast.ca. And the art grant applications are open from December 15th today until February 15th. So you've got two months. Put in more than one. Put in two. Nothing's stopping you. It's just an application. Very encouraging, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for that. I loved catching up with you on the radio today and talking about art and installation art and Base Coast Festival I am so excited for next year. Oh, me too. I can't wait to see you and give you a proper hug. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Liz Thompson, thank you so much for speaking with me today. And all of the best luck getting ready for Base Coast Festival 2022 and all of the events you're involved in next year. I, I just wish you all the best. Aw, thanks, Paul. Have a great day. We're going to listen to some music from Park Hazen. This is Can I Get Your Number? Can I get your number? Oh, why not? 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 We can fuck. 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 I wanna fuck. I wanna fuck. Can I get your number? Oh, why not? 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 Oh, why not? We can fuck. We can, we can, we can, we can fuck. 
get your number? Oh, why not? Can I get your number? Oh, why not? Can I get your number? Oh, why not? Can I get your number? Oh, why not? FM CJSW. That was Park Hazen with Can I Get Your Number? The time is 1.44 p.m. in the city of Calgary. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary. My name is Paul Brooks. Thank you very much to Liz Thompson from Bass Coast Festival and the Guild Artist Collective. That was really fun talking about installation art, Bass Coast Festival's art grant application program, art Art Grant program is open today at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Yeah, if you have an idea in your head, you should go check it out and get involved. I'm going to slide in one more track here before I get out of the studio for today. I will be taking two weeks off. You can tune in to hear some special Holiday programming from Rave Dad's Diary. I have a couple of uh, pre-recorded shows coming up, so tune in for those. This is Hard Feelings with the track Sister Infinity here on Rave Dad's Diary.
don't change the station, nothing's gone wrong. You're hearing the first few moments of Arnold Dreyblatt's turntable history on the reference desk. My name is Andrew Baldock, and back around 2009 or so, I hosted a program on CJSW called The Freak Show, which was a showcase for all the wonderfully bizarre music you can find in the CJSW library. While The Freak Show may be gone, I'm back to share some of these albums that stand out among the pop, rock, and hip-hop. Arnold Dreyblatt's turntable history first caught my attention when it appeared on CJSW's shelf of albums reserved for new material. A sort of easy spot for jocks to find the new stuff. At first glance, the album art might appear to you as a cropping of schematics for a turntable, but it's not, and I'll bring up more on that later. After reading the back of the album, I definitely had to hear it for myself. Turntable history consists of one song, with the same name. It's 40 minutes long and features only one instrument. While one could easily imagine somebody composing 40 minutes of piano, violin, or guitar, Arnold's instrument of choice was a magnetic resonance imaging scanner, or an MRI machine. So, I suppose the first question on your mind is, why? Well, Turntable History was purpose-built to accompany an audio-visual installation that took place inside of an historical underground water container in Berlin, Germany. Remember the album art that I mentioned earlier? It's actually schematics for this space. To sort of put an image in your head of what this underground chamber was like, picture the home of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Familiar sewer brickwork with lots of harsh angles. If you could imagine the amount of reverb in such a space, you can imagine just how all-encompassing the tones of turntable history would seem. It's definitely an experience I wish I was there for. So, who is this guy? What kind of person hears an MRI machine and thinks, I could make music with that? Well, Arnold Dreyblatt is an award-winning media artist and composer based out of Berlin, Germany. Though Arnold himself is an American, he's been working in Germany since 1984. Turntable History is one of a few involved installations that he's done. These also include digital LED displays, prints, and projections. But almost all of Arnold's art revolves around memory, or rather the storage and recollection of it. The art installation that was Turntable History primarily consisted of a turntable holding two projectors. The projections were of large walls of text containing archival historical information on the water container the installation was set in. The really neat aspect of this is that the software sending the signal to the projectors had been programmed in sync with the turntable in such a way so as to make the text appear stationary. As the projection rotated along the wall, words would be left behind as new ones appeared on the other side. As for how the musical track came to be, well, Arnold was given a very rare opportunity to record the MRI machine with an accompanying technician without any patients present. That way, the MRI technician was able to operate the machine to create certain tones and frequencies, rather than gathering imaging information. Once all the tones had been recorded, Arnold created a five-track megamix, arranging the sounds by pitch, rhythm, and density, and many of them are actually rather interesting to hear.
So I suppose one thing on your mind might be, sure, it's art, but is it music? I'm fond of John Cage's definition that any arrangement of sound can be called music. But at the same time, I sincerely doubt anyone's going to be listening to turntable history on the drive home from work. While fans of noise or drone musicians like Murkoff or Merzbau might get a tickle out of it, it's probably best left on the shelf as a novelty to be pulled out at house parties and listened to for about a minute. That's it for now. Keep an ear out for the next time I delve into CJSW's library for another musical oddity on the reference desk. Uh, C? One C. What about a J? A J? S? One S. W. And a W. CJSW 90.9 FM. Broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta, on Treaty 7 land, home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Thank you. 